This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome to the show, everyone, and thanks for listening. The sun is shining and farmers are planting in Michigan. That's the good news. And over the past month or so, we've talked with agricultural leaders from across the state, and each one of these have shared the struggles associated with this growing season. Due to an extremely wet spring, some crops are not expected to get planted, and the yield is expected to be very low this season. We are preparing for what's to come and the impact these factors will have on our network. In the meantime, there is some movement to come alongside of our farmers and the ag community as a whole to help them during these difficult days. The USDA and the state of Michigan are both offering financial relief programs to our farmers. There is one more perspective that we should have, and that is key to understanding this dilemma, and it comes to us from our friend, Senator Roger Victory. Senator Victory is from the 30th District, located in Ottawa County on the west side of the state, and he is the owner-operator of Victory Farms, a specialty crop producer. Senator Victory chairs the Ag Subcommittee for the Appropriations Committee and is also a distinguished member of the Infrastructure and Transportation Committee. So the two hottest topics in Michigan, agriculture and infrastructure, are our topics today with Senator Roger Victory. Come back and join Jerry and me with Senator Victory for this edition of Food First. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Senator Roger Victory here is with us on the show today. And uh, Senator Victory, thanks for taking the time. And uh, I don't know where you're at today. Or you may be in the field. I don't know. Uh, well, I, I'm uh, Farmer Raj today, uh, a little heavier on Farmer Raj than Senator Raj. And uh, <laughs> I was actually just pulled off the, uh, off of the road into one of our fields and uh, looking at the... Uh, well, looking at some parsnips, leek, and beets, uh, probably about a 60-acre field of the combination. And, uh, and so far, they're looking pretty good. So uh, hopefully uh, nothing disturbs the field while we're uh, on the show here. <laughs> well, 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 that's great. Well, um, I should say that you are the senator from the 30th uh, district, mm-hmm. which is uh, in Ottawa County, and uh, you have served in the House for... Uh, six years before that with the 88th district and you've been a great friend to the food banks across the state and uh, we're really happy to have you on the show but you also as you said are uh, our our farmer Roger Victory today and um, and and you have a uh, Victory Farms and uh, this is a specialty crop farm and producer and uh so we're excited to have you on the show. We need a real-time update on uh, some of the struggles that our farmers across Michigan are having. Well, that you uh, said a lot right there, and I think the most important part is, uh, yes, the farmers throughout the state of Michigan are suffering. This has been an uh, unprecedented event that we had uh, with continued precipitation. Uh, Sometimes it wasn't just a, you know, the amount of precipitation, but it was on a continual basis. Uh, I'm sure all the listeners, they remember this, too. Uh, it was uh, we 
really didn't have much of a spring there. It was just kind of a blaze of uh, rain and cool temperatures, and uh, it was just remarkable. Even on my journeys up back to Lansing, I drive down the Interstate 90, sits there, and I some through some of the prime farmland, and uh, not seldom ever see that that never got planted. And well, some did finally get planted, but it certainly was late and probably not with the crops that the farmers have been were anticipating planting there at that. So it was, uh, we, it was always continue, stressful, too, because all the plans and, you know, that you put these plans together through the winter uh, months, and, and uh, once you, and the next thing you know, you have to go for a different variety of seed, a different maturity of seed, before you ever even get the seed in the ground, and a lot of uncertainty. So, yeah, it has not been, not just for the farmers, but also those in the, uh, agronomics business of supplying mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, the the agronomy and so I got you know a nephew that works uh, for a supply company and I know he's uh, helping catch up with a sprayer for that for that operation and so it's not really in his portfolio but now they got to catch up and uh, so all hands on deck. So we've had a couple weeks anyway where it's been a little sunnier, a little bit warmer. Um, are you seeing any relief yet? And also, I should probably throw in here, I know there's been a lot of talk uh, in terms of both the state of Michigan and the federal government about things that they could do to try to help farmers out. I mean, uh, is it working? Is it? Does it seem to be that, that the stress is getting better yet, or are we still really deep into this thing? Well, I, I think the the immediate stress has been relief relieved because you know it has stopped raining. Uh, let's take a look at our dairy farmers. I mean, they were actually got their first cutting of hay finally wrapped up and brought in. So uh, for the mm-hmm. dairy industry, uh, you know that was critical for getting that uh, hay in. So even though the protein levels might not be there, uh, we're able to put a check mark by. Uh, you know, the planting they did give some opportunity to put some um, you know, early maturing corn in and those uh, convert to soybeans. At least the you know you got the planter through the field. You can put a check mark by it, and that the uncertainty. And I think that's the key right there. But mm-hmm. going forward, uh, there you know the economics of it. Uh, the yields are not going to be there. Like I said, the protein, the food value, and the and the hay are are not going to be there. So it's going to have a longer lasting effect. Uh, and uh, but I said they they're kind of like we went through the triage component. Now we're into the uh, recuperation and long term of it. And it's going to be, uh, yeah, this is going to have some uh, legacy costs to it, especially, you know, higher price of corn. I, I was uh, talking to somebody in the media the other day, and so the corn prices, you know, they went uh, about having increased by about a dollar a bushel, give or take, and you know, that market's fluid. But that put pressure on our hog. Uh, in Ottawa County, we have a lot of turkey producers, hog producers, dairy, and a lot of the industry has been under stress, especially the hog industry with the tariffs and the trade negotiations going on. So that's been under pressure, and now their input costs go up by 30%, 40%. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's going to hit the bottom line. So it's uh, we're, we have uh, – this is going to be probably a full-year cycle before it all is uh, uh, cycle through. It, it's amazing to me in the conversations we had. We had um, um, Director McDowell from um, mm-hmm. MDARD on with us, Michigan Department of – uh, agricultural and rural development, and um, had uh, Scott Piggott on from Michigan Farm Bureau, and the 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 story they're telling. We had a farmer on from Ingham County, Jeannie Eigel, um, and the, they're telling us basically the same thing, but 
it's amazing to me the domino effect. I mean, when uh-huh. the when the weather was like it was this spring, if you can call that spring, and just a thing like hay, and how that affect everything, and it's yep. and I don't know if the ripple effect is the right word as much as tsunami effect, because it yeah, just I impacts everything. Yeah, it, 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 it hit fast and furious, and and I think uh, Phil, you're right on the money on that one. Uh, there, it, it just. Uh, People didn't realize how many areas it's affecting. It, it, it's, it's cross-pollinating in the economics of uh, Michigan agricultural and agricultural industry in so many different areas, and uh, and the real effect we will still be discovering a year from now. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm going to ask maybe a hard question to answer mm-hmm. from the perspective of need. One of the things that we know about hunger is when people are struggling, they don't like to talk about it. They, you know, yeah. we're a mm-hmm. proud people, and there's a good reason for that, and there's no reason not to be proud, um, even when things happen that that put us in a situation where we could use a little bit of extra help. And one of my questions is, do you think there's something that those of us in in the food bank business should be doing now for some of these families that are struggling? Some of these and and you know, some of them are farmers themselves, but mm-hmm. but as you say, some of them are spread out across many industries. I mean, it, it, you know, are you seeing anything that that we could learn from right now in terms of saying, yeah, we probably should be doing something? Yeah, I, I, no, that is a uh, appropriate question because at times, uh, it just making sure that uh, that uh, these uh, I call it safety valves or these uh, uh, areas of help can be offered, and uh, especially you know saying, uh, by the way, if uh, you're struggling, um, where can we help out? Is there some more accessibility for this or that? And uh, especially in the area, you know, stress creates mental health issues. We've been seeing a lot of that in certain segments of our agricultural community, uh, and I know uh, MSU Extension, they've been uh, on the uh, cutting edge of this, too, being, making sure that their, uh, uh, their community people are having dialogue with that. And it, like I said, it's something that uh, probably a producer or uh, a farming family might not have ever seen before, and mm-hmm. also these uh, you know, secondary things uh, come across under the stress and i you know it, it believe me it was stressful across the board uh because it, it, it's there was no control on and also near so uh uncharted territory but like i said no i i think to circle back yes uh you know things like the food bank and other uh, agencies out there uh just uh making sure that uh, uh the support's there and then even just asking hey how's things going and uh and just giving a listening ear can make a difference. Uh, I was on the phone with a gentleman this morning, uh, farmer, and uh, had some uh, it's another issue. He says this is, and this is put on top of the whole the whole challenging year. And I said that that is correct. And sometimes that that one more item can make uh, break the candle's back you know, strong yeah. per se using that thing. Mm-hmm. I think we can learn, Jerry, from our experience with uh, TSA recently when uh, there was the shutdown and we were here found people who were uh, found themselves food insecure and had never you know and and this is not like the easiest path to negotiate if you've never been there before right how would you know 
right? Mm-hmm. And, and especially if you think it's going to be temporary. And, and what we often find in our work is that people wait too long to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And so part of the reason I want to talk about it, we've talked about it on the other shows, I want to talk about it on this show, you know, there is pantrynet.org. It's out there. You can put in your zip code. You can find a, a pantry within the closest mile radius to you. Um, there's 211 for people to call. And we want to make sure that people ask for help because, you know, a lot of what triggers what we can do is knowing that people are willing willing to, you know, step out there and say, I could use a little help right now. And if people aren't asking, we don't always know. So he's Senator Roger Victory, and uh, he's our, our friend here in the food bank world. And uh, Senator Victory, we want you to hang on with us. We want to take a quick break here and come back, and we'd like to have you for another segment. And I think we've got some really good questions for you in the next segment. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. Senator Roger Victory is our guest. We'll be back in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. We're back. It's Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, with our guest, Senator Roger Victory. Um, Senator Victory has been instrumental, Jerry, as you know, in helping the Food Bank Council with uh, uh, individually quick frozen product and how we've been rescuing some of that food and building our refrigeration down the line through our pantry network. We couldn't have done this work without this gentleman right here. And how important is it? I mean, so much more fresh and healthy and nutritious food being able to get to people from the farm all the way through to distribution and getting to people's homes. Really, really helpful project. So we, we, we have to just highlight that for you, Senator, and tell you thank you because uh, you were you showed the leadership to make that happen. And um, I, I think Michigan citizens all across this state are better because of it. Well, I thank you for those kind words. And I was appreciated working with the, uh, your group, too, to move that needle forward. And it was just uh, I, it was a win-win on all components there. Well, we're going we're gonna to stay at this together. Now, um, you know, I, committee assignments in the legislature are always interesting to me. And, um, of course, we know that you're, you're on appropriations and chair the uh, agricultural committee there for appropriations. And uh, that's certainly been your, your background. But there's this other committee that you serve on, too, that I think our listeners are interested in. And, uh, and that's transportation and infrastructure. And there's something going on in Michigan these days about fixing the roads and the budget. And I wonder if we could get a firsthand update from you. Well, yeah, no, actually I have quite a unique opportunity. Not only do I serve on the policy side of the transportation, I'd also serve on the appropriation side of transportation. So the only senator that uh, uh, has his uh, seat at the table on both parts of that uh, equation. So uh, as you mentioned, uh, yeah, roads are a uh, topic in Lansing and uh, the sustainable funding of it. Uh, as we, uh, you know, talk about food accessibility, I, as a farmer, I realize the importance that we need to have uh, uh, transportation needs to get that uh, from the harvest to the table. And in there is a lot of uh, transportation needs. And if you don't have the proper infrastructure, that doesn't occur not only in food production, but in all the other aspects of life. So as we've been going forward on 
Yeah, I've been uh, actually in- instrumental in a lot of different uh, thought processes. I've been working close with a couple other members, and just trying to also take a uh, you know a thirty thousand foot level of it and looking at what you know kind of describing uh, how I run the farming operations. What are some of the best practices and mm-hmm. uh, emulate what works and doesn't work? And one thing that we have been kind of noticing too is the focus. It seems to be a lot of our local roads. Uh, are in certain areas of the state and are in critical need of the repair. As we go down a lot of their interstate systems and this and that, we see a lot of that construction going on, but there seems to be some real need to be addressing some of our local roads. And with that, that there seems to be a general theme. How, uh, how are some of the communities, areas, have seem to have better roads than other areas? And there's been kind of a common thread with that there, and a lot of the common thread is... Uh, these communities may have a certain uh, county millage or a, uh, another city of Grand Rapids actually has a, uh, uh, a income tax uh, dedication to repairing the roads. They have really moved the deal uh, forward and I uh, you know the second largest city in the state of Michigan. And so their city roads are, you can definitely start to see the difference in the last five years, four years. So I've um, been discussing with my colleagues, uh, can we uh, kind of, uh, put that type of program on steroids. So as a state, could we come as a willing partner to those who have, I know, a local assessment and uh, kind of match those dollars and keep those dollars local uh, and uh, do what uh, some of these communities have been successful over the last decade and emulate that through the entire state of Michigan. You know, there's been a lot of good examples of how thoughts like that are effective. And I and I know that uh, even as we've talked to you over the years about Mass and some of the other programs that we're doing to make every dollar count more than once, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so, and, and I know it's going to take creative thinking to get to the bottom of this thing. Whenever you need a lot of money, it's hard to come by. And it doesn't, That's I right. mean, and so, I mean, I think it's encouraging to, to, to hear that you're, you know, really broadening what are the possible ways we could look at doing this so that we can have a, uh, the best outcome. I mean, whatever the no. solution is today, we're going to need solutions again tomorrow. Uh, very well put. And I think that's a great example there, leveraging the dollar. So if there's a dollar that's being generated at the local level, can the state come with an equal dollar? And then you have a two-for-one, and that can really change the needle of uh, better payment, better roads in the local communities. And thus, they, they know best, too, how to address those dollars and getting them at the local level and, uh, and being a game-changer. And and actually, again, best practices because it's already occurring in some communities, and you can see how uh, how effective it's been used. So, put that type of type of a philosophy and put it on steroids, or probably might not be the best word to do it, but uh, give it a little incentive there. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I <laughs> like it. about foods and steroids, we probably get our yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Get the right talking point for the day. That's yeah. it. That's it. Senator Roger Victory, he is the senator from the 30th uh, district here in Michigan. And um, Senator, thanks so much for being with us today, but really thanks for your friendship and partnership, and thanks for coming alongside of us in the in the food bank world as we try to work together and uh, and create a food-secure state. So thank you, and, and uh, we won't take any more of your time. I know you're sitting in a tractor there, ready to get in the field. And uh, <laughs> you got it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Fort- 
Fortunately, they uh, tried to have air conditioning on this one here, so that's a, that is a plus in summer weather. Yeah, this this conversation would have been much shorter without that idea. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry, that's Senator Roger Victory, and he's well-positioned to talk about the two hot topics in Michigan and, you know, agriculture and the struggles that we've had across the sector because of the weather and also fixing the damn roads. So, And interestingly enough, he's actually in the tractor, which is also well-positioned. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So he took time out from his day, and uh, he said he's farmer- uh, victory today, not Senator Victory. So, um, but again, I we've had a couple of shows that have dealt with some of the struggles um, that our agricultural community. You know, I mean, we say you know, solving hunger starts in the field, and if they're having difficulties, it's not just a ripple effect. It's like a, as we said in the show, it's a has dramatic effect across so many different areas of. Michigan from the economy all the way down to the food that we're able to share. And it reminds us that we will always have a moving target. And so even as we create solutions and implement solutions and and have next innovations and continue to try to do more and better, because we have to do both, um, it's a moving target. Things happen all the time, which change the way we have to look at this problem. And so over many shows, we've talked about how we've got to use data. We've Mm -hmm. got to have um, data-driven decision-making because... It is a moving target, and we need to be constantly aware of who's hungry, how much help do they need, and for how long. So when we look at an issue like right now, one of the biggest segments of our our economy, which is agriculture, has had some bumps in the road. Well, we need to understand who needs help. Who Mm -hmm. needs help? It's it. Where do they live? Where are these industries besides the farms themselves that are impacted by this? And how do we tell those families, you can get assistance if you need it. We know you're only going to need it for a short time. We know you don't want to ask for help because it's embarrassing. But get help anyway, because who needs help is you right now. Right. And and. You didn't anticipate that you were going to have the wettest spring on record in Michigan. And then you didn't anticipate that the... On top of tariffs and trade mitigation and all of those difficulties. Right. And at the same time, we're trying to create a state budget to to do something else that's complicated and difficult, which is fix roads, which are helping us all. And this is a critically important issue. We can't keep kicking the can on this to solve this other crisis that we're having. And so, okay, it's a moving target. Let's start, as you often say, doctor, by defining reality. Who Hmm. needs help? How much help do they need and for how long? And I'm hoping that our food bank council will be able to sit down and look at this. And, and of course we will, right? But I sure. mean with data, with actual facts and figures that will help right. us then come back and say, this is who needs help, this is how much help they need, and this is for how long. And I'm grateful that we have things like Michigan Mapped to help mm. us, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful for the other data that we're populating. Now that gets to us a little bit late sometimes. So mm. as these things actually occur, we're getting better at pulling data and 
and and really looking at, okay, now what do we need to do to make sure this population is covered? So I think that I want to circle back to a point in the show where we talked about um, here are farmers, you know, people in agriculture and uh, all the business that revolves around agriculture. Um, Back to the TSA example. So here was a group of people who were working, employed, and because of the government shutdown that extended, they didn't have the opportunity to not come to work, but they weren't getting paid. And they found themselves in many cases in situations that they had never been before. I would say that's probably some of the case with our farmer and the agricultural community now. And one of the things we talk about, and probably not enough, is how difficult it is to navigate when you do need help. Where is food? Where could I get food? And you talk about PantryNet.org. What is that, Jerry? So PantryNet.org, it's a website. It's pretty simply put together. Its entire purpose is to collect information from all of the emergency food providers in the state and have it in one place that you can go and you put in your zip code and essentially it'll tell you the pantries that are nearest you. Right. Now, again, there's more than pantries that do emergency food work. We know there's soup kitchens and we know there's, you know, churches and things that aren't doing full-out pantries. And so there may be other resources beside what's on pantrynet.org. But pantrynet.org, if you put that in on your computer or on your phone and put in your zip code, it will list for you the pantries that are nearest. And you can do it by however many mile radius you want. Right. Now, understanding some places are going to have more resources and some places are going to have fewer. Still, it is a place to go to at least get some idea of who you can call and say, hey, could you help me? Here's where I live. Could you help me? And and I know that that's hard to do. So, so even though it's hard to do, do it. Yeah. Get help. That's why we're here. That's why this whole network, there are thousands of people in the community who are providing this assistance because they understand you. And they know that it's what it's not about whose fault it is. It's about what do we do from here and how do we get back on track? And it's okay. Get it done. Yeah. Make those calls. Go take a look. And two one one is another hugely important resource. It is it is managed by the United Way, mm-hmm. and it is a huge help not just for food but for other things you might need as well. So if you're a person who needs help, or if you know someone who needs help. One of the most important things you can do is say, get help, because the longer you wait, the more difficult it is to get out of it. And our goal is to get people help when they need it so they don't persist in needing help. Well, if you wait, let's just think about a farmer who's never or someone in the ag business that's never needed help before. And this is very difficult to admit it's very difficult. You, you know, you know, you don't feel good about yourselves. So now, emotional, mental, um, you know, difficulties start coming into your mind and to your heart, and those are things that you haven't had to negotiate before. So the key here is don't wait. Right. You know, because this is going to be a temporary situation. It's going to get better. The sun's going to shine. The rain's going to come again. And, you know, it's it's who needs help. This is a new population that needs help, right? How much help do they need? Well, let's find that out. How much help do you need? And then for how long? Probably not for very long. So it's temporary, and it doesn't define who we are. 
Exactly right. And and quite frankly, you'll be amazed at how much compassion and care there is in the community for you. Yeah. And that is one of the best ways to relieve the stress when you feel like you failed is to realize that you are loved and cared for. And there are people that want to walk with you, not over top of you, not around you, but with you through these struggles. And so, um, you know, it, it we can't say enough. There are ways to get help. Let's let's make sure you know what those are. We're doing that now. Um, and, it, I mean, you can go to um, any of our websites and uh, and have more ideas for what uh, you can do to get help. So. Yeah, fbcmish.org, and it'll direct you to any of our seven food banks that are serving all 83 counties across the state. And from there, you can negotiate and find your way uh, to the help and assistance you need. You know, the other thing, kind of on a macro level, Jerry, is um, the governor signed House Bill 4234. State Representative Angela Whitwer, who's been a guest on the show, in fact, both those um, political leaders, uh, the governor and uh, House member uh, Whitwer, has been on the show. And um, she signed a bill in Charlotte, uh, Bill 4234, that provides about $15 million of state money for, um, for agricultural relief. And so it's, um, it's down on, a, uh, um, you know, the, the lo- boots on the ground, here's food assistance here, here we're going to come alongside of you. But also at the macro level, here's some money and some programming, both coming from the state as well as the federal government to help our folks um, weather this storm, so to speak. Righto. So, and we know, uh, as uh, Senator Victory said, um, it's not over yet. This is going to take a long time to get through. We're going to see more rain. We're going to see more wind, and we're going to see more other things that, that both good and bad, that are going to determine what the yields in Michigan are actually going to be um, and, and what's actually going to happen to prices and all those right. kinds of things. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to be done in a week or two or three. So, so stay tuned. We'll, we will continue yeah. to update uh, our listeners about what's happening and, and what farmers are doing and what we think the impact is going to be on food insecurity in our state. We'll keep, we'll keep at this. Jerry and I will be back in just a moment to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here in the studio. And uh, Jerry, we're, you know, talking about the Senator victory and some of the challenges that we've discussed on the show over recent weeks. But um, what we haven't talked about, though, is uh, the challenge of infrastructure. And we've talked about this at the Food Bank Council and uh, the impact. And I think that we, like, just as citizens of Michigan, uh, not just food bankers and food bank council, but we want to see the roads fixed too. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of trucks out there, right? right? I mean, we're using the roads as as a business in Michigan. It's a not-for-profit business, but nonetheless, it's a business. And it affects our trucks, and it affects our drivers, and it affects safety, and, you know, it affects our people getting to work, and all the things that everyone else experiences too. So, uh, again, you know, reminding ourselves we can't just do more. You got to do more and better because you got to find the money somewhere. And uh, if you don't do better, eventually more isn't affordable. 
So how do you do more and better is, a, is the right challenge. It's a good challenge, and we uh, certainly encourage our uh, elected officials to rise to that challenge. Yep, to do more and better. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that the way this is set up in the budget, um, the budget proposal by the governor and now the Senate and the House are, you know, develop, they've developed their own versions of the budget and now they've got to go to conference and see what differences the senate and the house can work out and then they've got to go to work to work with the administration and work out the differences there and the big issue of course is road funding how are we going to create 2.5 billion dollars in order to address michigan infrastructure so you know that affects us as people but it affects the people that we serve as well and um it affects as you said our business of um creating a food-secure Michigan and delivering healthy access to healthy, nutritious food to the people who are hungry neighbors across the state. So all of these things, I, I, I say this again about the, the, the farming crisis that we find ourselves in this season. Um, the budget is the same thing. It's all dominoes, and one domino's got to fall for the rest of the um, investment, so to speak, happen. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm hopeful that our elected officials, whatever they may be, Roger Victory certainly being a, a leader in that conversation, uh, can find a way to do more and do better. Because there are, while the roads and infrastructure are very, very important to all of us, there are some other key things that are down the budget list that need to be invested in, and none of that's going to happen until we have the first domino fall. So, I, you know... I. People probably accuse me of being too optimistic, but I will say that um, it feels like a time to be optimistic. I think we're going to get through this. I think we've had some successes in the state of Michigan, having people work together to do the right thing, and I'm, I'm going to believe that that's going to continue. And I'm going to believe that uh, the right things will win out and that uh, smart people who know we have to do more and better will help us do it. I think we've elected some excellent officials uh, who can get this done. Well, I think so, too. And I, we work with them quite, you know, um, closely, so to speak. Um, had a conversation with uh, with Governor uh, Whitmer's uh, staff, just some of her administrative staff, um, about a health policy uh, just a couple weeks ago. And very good conversation. Um, sitting around the food security director, and uh, that's still on the list. It's there, but, you know, it's... Probably not as high a priority as fixing the bridges, you know. Um, I, I, I think that's debatable, actually. But any, at any point, I, I do know which domino has to fall first in order for some of these other investments to be able to take place. And we're taking action on all those things, right? We're part of these conversations. We're making sure to be present there. And you, our listeners, you know we're, we're representing you in this as well. And we are, uh, we are getting this work done, and, and it's, it's, it's an exciting time, and I think largely a very positive time to be involved in this kind of work. And uh, speaking of exciting times... I think we probably need to talk about a little excitement that's happening in our fr- Food First family. Uh, Katie DeBeau, who, who works at the Food Bank Council in Michigan, doing many important things to keep our good doctor in line, <laughs> uh, had some recent news that I think it's time to share. It is. It is, uh, it is time to share. So Katie, um, Katie DeBeau, who is our uh, Director of Executive Communications and our 
uh, CCO, Chief Cultural Officer at the Food Bank Council, uh, delivered Cameron Matthew DeBow, 7 pounds, 11 ounces, 21 inches long. And uh, we wish Godspeed to Mom and to Cameron as both. And Dad, too. I yep. mean, uh, even yep. though we will definitely say Dad does much less of the lifting on this, <laughs> at least uh, in the immediate. But uh, congratulations to Katie. We appreciate you. We we know how much you do for us, and we know what a great mom you are and, and what a great family you have. So congratulations. And uh, I also want to do a little shout-out to someone else who's in the studio here who's been trying to get you know good pictures of us, and I'm, I think she's been on the floor weeping at least twice. <laughs> Uh, trying to make that happen. But, Leah, great to have you here with us today. And, uh, you know, uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, all this activity in here. Well, thanks for having me. It's quite the highlight of my day. Ah, there you go. Well, we're going to have to increase your social life if this is the highlight of your day. (laughs) That might be true. That might be true. Well, time for a little food for thought. It's been said that a friend is someone who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. I have a handful of those kinds of friends, and they are way different than the Facebook kind of friends. Senator Victory is that kind of friend to the Food Bank Council and to our friends in agriculture. He is in the room when the crisis comes. He stays in the room. And honestly, if you have five people like that in your personal life, you are blessed. And we are super blessed to have many people like you, our listeners, of that caliber who believe in us and our mission to create a food secure state. Join us in helping our elected officials from school boards, commissioners, to the legislature, all the way to the administration, understand that prioritizing food first releases a powerful opportunity in the lives of people that we serve in our communities and the state as a whole. Why shouldn't Michigan be the first state to become food secure? Why not us? Why not now? Catch Jerry and me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And until next week, remember, it really is food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state.